Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Friday. Welcome to Trending. My name is Brooke Taylor in for Timory. Glad to be with you again. Yesterday on the program, Jason Craig was my guest, and we talked a lot about the crisis of immaturity in men. We touched on the wisdom of Venerable Fulton Sheen as he talked about the nemesis of mediocrity and a famine of really good men. So if you miss that show, you can get the podcast on Relevant Radio. Just go to the trending show page and wherever podcasts are heard. But really appreciated hearing from him, hearing from you too. And again, today I want to throw the phone lines out. We are live and Layla Miller is with us for the hour. The studio line is one 914 And so on today's show, we are going to carry that theme over again with Layla Miller and expand on that, not only covering the men, but parenting, finding holy courage. That's a big thing. How do we navigate and discuss the tough moral issues with our kids, as well as the biggest mistake, according to Layla, that Catholic parents make? And we will tell you what it is. And really fascinating. This is an article that she wrote that went viral a few times over. So we'll explore that. Layla Miller is a regular here on Relevant Radio. So grateful for that and her wisdom and insight. She is a Catholic writer and author, one of my favorite people. She often speaks on issues related to moral theology, church teaching on marriage, family, human sexuality. And she has four books, all of them I have and would recommend. Primal Loss, The Now Adult Children of Divorce Speak. Also, Raising Chase Catholic Men. And we'll touch a little bit on that today. Practical advice, mom to mom, made this way. How to prepare kids to face today's tough moral issues, as well as impossible marriages redeemed. I recommend that and have given that to so many. And in fact, I think both of Layla's marriage books are free. I have to double check that, but I think you can download that on our website, but we'll find that out and more today. So with that, let's jump in. Hello, Layla. Hi, Brooke. It's so good to talk to you again. Yes, ditto. Welcome back. It's good to connect with you. And did I say that right? If you go to LaylaMiller.net, can you get those marriage books? Yes. So you can get a PDF copy of both the marriage books um, just by doing uh, LaylaMiller.net, which is L-E-I-L-A.net, slash Primal Loss PDF. And then you would do the same with the other one, LaylaMiller.net, slash Impossible Marriages Redeemed PDF. So that's how you would get to those um, uh, and start reading and read the whole entire thing. So, yeah. 
For sure. Endorsed by Bishop Olmsted. It's a topic we've visited and revisited and one I just think that needs to be out far and wide. So LaylaMiller.net. And I also, again, want to just throw the phone lines out for anyone to join the show with us. one 914 is the number to call. You're with us for the hour. So, oh boy, so much to talk about. I guess from the beginning, we'll just go right to the source. We, we know that there's a battle raging and, and we can see the news. We can see the headlines every day. We can analyze the data. We can look at the surveys. But ultimately, we know what we're dealing with. This is from the beginning of time, starting in Genesis. There's already a battle in the unseen realm. And it's good versus evil, life versus death, dark versus light. And so we are called to have courage in this battle because it's not us. It's not the Christians who oppose the world, but the world which opposes itself To the Christian, when the truth about God, about Christ, about natural law, for example, is proclaimed. And there's a powerful teaching. I just revisited it last week from Pope Benedict XVI about this. He says, the world waxes indignant when sin and grace are called by their names. It is time to find again the courage of nonconformism, the capacity to oppose many of the trends of the surrounding culture. And I really think that gets at the heart of what a lot of parents are feeling, what a lot of Catholics are feeling, is a weariness, or you almost feel like a futility of what does courage look like? And I know that's a topic where I want to begin because it's so close to your heart that you've talked about. Can you kick us off with that, the reminder that our vocation fills us with virtue-filled courage? We need to have that confidence. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I've I think I've said before that I think the two virtues that are most lacking today seem to be chastity and courage. Mm. (laughs) And we need that courage as parents because, what does it say in Scripture, that he who perseveres till the end will be saved. And so there's this challenge. You know, I almost want to say, let's look at this with a little bit of excitement rather than dread. I know it's a heavy culture. It's everyone's feeling it. Every Christian feels weary, as you said. It's a very uh, dark time um, but we have to kind of remember who we are. I think we've forgotten who we are. And so yes. uh, there is an excitement about being a Christian at this time in the world's history. There is, if you, I always go back to even the Catechism has a, 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 a section about the, the final trial of the Church, which is, uh, I think it's uh, 675 to 677, paragraph 675 to 677. And it, it talks about the final unleashing of evil, where even... The, the, you know, Catholics, even Catholics will be um, deceived and, and that we will have trouble discerning kind of what's going on. But this final unleashing of evil is actually a precursor to uh, a, a, the wonderful time when Christ is going to reveal himself again to us and, and you know, again, potentially come back. <laughs> so we have to be yeah. excited about this and that we are the the voice of truth and and the light in a really, really dark world. So we have to have that courage, and our children have to see us have that courage, because without it, how will they navigate and survive in this culture? So true, and there's so much there, and so many different directions that we could go in. But I think it ties into something that you wrote and that has gone viral a few times over, and that will be maybe a good starting point. And that's a mistake that a lot of Catholic parents make. And that was the title of a blog that you posted. And it is the biggest mistake of modern Catholic parenting. So we know what we need to do. We know that we need to have 
holy courage and confidence, but also then maybe what, what not to do. What is that mistake? Can you tell us about that post? Yeah, I see it a lot. I see it um, among really excellent Catholics. The idea that we cannot, and a lot of this is from mothers especially, that we cannot or will not be willing to risk offending our children or risk losing their love when they start to go down a bad path. And so obviously the culture is going to be leading teenagers and young adults into serious sin, and, and it's a, such a confusion, confusing culture that, I mean, these sins are sins that are, you know, they're all around us. They're, they're, we're told that they're good, and they're teaching it in schools, you know, obviously all the LGBTQ stuff, but we are um, so afraid, it seems, to lose the love of our children, and everything is so feelings-based, like, well, I don't want to offend, I don't want... I don't want my child to get mad at me or yell at me, so I'm just going to affirm that they're just still a really good person and everything's okay, and I'm going to kind of look the other way. Or I might affirm them in whatever sin they're committing, and um, then somehow that's all going to be okay in the end. But it's really the last thing you want to do is to affirm your child in a deadly sin. That is not going to help mm. the child. It's not uh, you know, going to save their soul, which is really our goal, right, to get our children to heaven and see them in heaven for eternity. And it's also going to harm us, because more often than not, we justify and convince ourselves, you know, we go into sort of this moral relativism of, well, you know, God understands, and I don't want this child to suffer, I don't want this child to, I don't want to drive this child away, or this child to commit suicide, or, so we tend to go along with these very serious sins of our children and then we tend to get sucked out of the faith as well. I've seen it happen. I'm, I mean, like, we've all seen it happen. So that is, is such a big problem. We have to be aware of it, and we have to fight against that tendency. And I think, too, absolutely there's spiritual warfare there, because as we know, that's where the enemy attacks is our very heart and the heart of the family. And so a lot of times we, you feel there are these legitimate concerns. You brought up the fact that if I don't affirm this might cause them to go further into the sin if I make them pull away from me or they might try to commit suicide or something. But at the end of the day, like you said, the child cannot become the prodigal if the parent goes out into the pig slop with him. That's what I'm reading from what you wrote. And that when parents go soft on the moral law, it's a misguided attempt to, to love the child, to make them feel accepted, but they are just embracing the same sin essentially. And that is, is really tough. And you talk too about how often that begins a slow slide because when the parent is more concerned, maybe not even aware of that, but, but that's the truth of it, that they want to please their child and not upset them more than God, that it begins, Frank Sheed talked about that. He said that it's sort of a non-pious coma, like this protective mechanism that we go into so as not to disturb our comfort when we're engaging in something like we know we're affirming someone's sin and we don't want that to prick our conscience. And so we go into this non-pious coma where we kind of just say, look, I know I don't approve of this. He knows or she knows that I don't approve of this, but I'm going to love you through it and, and just look the other way kind of thing. But really in the end, that's more harmful. Well, it is, and then that's the trick of the devil right there, is we are conditioned to believe that love means affirmation, and love means making sure people feel good all the time. 
Um, And that's not really what love is. In fact, you know, that's kind of the false Jesus that's out there, this idea that he's just, oh, he's just there to make everybody feel good and then just kind of whisk us all to heaven if we have good intentions or if, you know, um, if if we don't offend anyone. And yet... What does he say? What does Jesus say in Matthew ten thirty seven? He says, whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he's saying right there the right order of things, which is Christ first. If you love your child, you will always love Christ more. To truly love any human being starts with loving God more than any creature. So right. we've inverted everything. I, I say this a lot lately that you can you any look for inversions. You know, anytime you see something that's inverted, um, like talking about me, 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 or, or or my child, my child, my child, like all that. Humans talk about creatures more than we affirm or talk about God, or not wanting to offend humans more than we don't want to offend God. It seems like we always say that. You know, like um, well, I uh, in this culture of offense, we seem to be quite okay with offending God, and think that He'll kind of understand as long as we're not offending our neighbor. Well, what was the, the, the two great commandments? First, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then it is love your neighbor as yourself. So if you invert those two, everything is going to go into chaos. That's what we have to look for is this inversion, and then we have to live according to right order so that we can love our children correctly so that they do have a refuge to come back when they've gone off into the muck. You know, let's hope they never do, but if they do... They have to have something to come back to. And if we go with them, where are they going to go if there's time, you know, if they, if they feel like repenting? And there's nothing I, left. I love that, though, because it's so hard at that moment. But like you said, you've been that solid rock and they know. And I just want to read a portion because I think it really illustrates so beautifully what you're saying. You write, that means if they decide to quit going to Mass while under your roof, that won't fly. They That means that they will go to mass or leave your home. It also means that if your teen wants to get drunk in your house or have a boyfriend stay over, you will not allow it. If your child wants to hang out with bad friends, it's not going to happen. If he does drugs, he won't be welcome around your other kids. If your child decides to live with someone before marriage, you won't go to their place or cross their threshold. If they decide to get married outside of the church, etc. If you make this a part of who you are from the very beginning, I promise you, they will understand. They will know the deal. And they will understand that they that you are willing to offend them, your children, before you are willing to offend God. You will tell them early that you will always love them. And that is precisely why you will never support their sin. And the idea, too, I think that it's, it, it's selfish of them to expect you to compromise your beliefs and in the deeply held truths that you would die for to affirm what they're doing. And I think when you look at it that way, it's like, of course, but... You know, at the time, it's hard to think when you're so close in the situation. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's the thing. If we understand that this actually is for the good of their soul, um, it, there is no higher love than to will the highest good of the other, and we want our kids to be in heaven. It doesn't mean we're unkind to them. It doesn't mean that you don't still have a relationship with them. I mean, obviously, if they're truly toxic where you cannot have a relationship with them, that's, that's something, you know, that's extreme. But generally speaking, we're not talking about cutting them off. That's a big kind of fallacy, which is, oh, you're going to disown your child if, they're, right. if they come out as gay or they want to, you know, have a same-sex marriage or they want to leave the church and get married on a beach or if they want to do this or that. No, we're just saying, I'm not going to affirm the sin. I'm not going to, you know, facilitate the sin. Certainly, I still love you and I can have a relationship with you, but 
not the sin part. Just like if they were a drug dealer, I mean, you're not going to go and and be part of their, uh, you know, their drug dealing or their or the drug house or whatever. You're not going to do that. And I think it's just so countercultural because I, I, and I know, I mean, believe me, I know it's hard. This is not something easy, but Jesus never said that following him was going to be easy. He said it's actually going to look like a cross, which, oh, gosh, that's an instrument of torture and death. So, you know, we can kind of say, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really not easy. But I like this quote from uh, Queen Blanche, who was the mother of St. Louis, St. Louis, and I, I put this in the, in the article, too, she said, she, she told her son this quite a bit, and mind you, he, he grew up to be a saint. She said, I, I love you, my dear son, as much as a mother can love her child. Then that's a lot, right? But I would rather see you dead at my feet than that you should commit a mortal sin. Now, I have put that out there even on social media, and people do not like that. <laughs> They're like, What? Yeah. You know, don't say that, and, you know, everyone gets a, cha- a second chance, and wh- why would you want to see your child dead? And it's like, well, she's not the only saint that said that. She's not the only person who said that. St. Rita, I think, said that as well. The idea that ra- we would rather our children die than to offend God with a mortal sin that will put them in hell. Whether or not they repent later, we don't know, right? What would we want in our heart? Our disposition of our heart is to pray and hope that our child, just as ourselves, would never offend God and lose the love and friendship of God. We'd rather they die first so that they would go to heaven, right? So, but it's so offensive just to speak the things that previous generations of Catholics would have understood right. as being just reflexively true. And also St. Monica, St. Augustine, you see yeah. that, the integrity of belief, that unwavering fidelity, and this beacon of light that ultimately brought her son home. Now think of if Monica had said, you know what, have the concubine, go ahead, move it. <laughs> you know, no, mm-hmm. she remained, mm-hmm. she loved him, she loved him, and that is clear, and we read that from his confessions, and of course his life is a witness to that in his conversion, but it was because, and you point this out, the scripture, the the prayers of the righteous avail much, and that we as faithful parents who continually pray and sacrifice, we will be that rock that they can come home to, and they know that. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Now, for some reason, my phone is ringing over there. <laughs> well, I think that um, I think that was actually on cue, Layla, because we have a call. We have to go into a break, but I want to try to sneak in this call quickly before we go into the break, so that actually helped us out. I think we have Vito on the line, and he's calling from... Oh, he's gone. Okay. All right. Well, that's fine. We're up again. Maybe he's calling you. He has your home number. I don't know. <laughs> but we're, <laughs> that might have been we're, him. <laughs> we're going to take a break. By the way, I will share the number too in case he dropped off. It's one 914 That is the studio line. We are here. Join the conversation. And Layla Miller is with us for the hour. We've been talking about the responsibility we have to speak truth and confidence with charity and truth. Much more to come. My name is Brooke Taylor in for Timory. You're listening to Trending here on Relevant Radio. Back after the break. Stay with us. Today's show is sponsored by Colby Academy. With more than 40 years of experience in Catholic home education, Colby Academy offers a blend of classical Catholic curriculum and the latest education technology. More info at relevantradio.com slash Colby. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. 
Cardinal Robert Seurat, in his wisdom, he says that in identifying with tolerance and secularism, one imposes oneself a sort of schizophrenia between private life and public life. Faith has its place in the public debate. He says we must speak about God, not to impose him, but to propose him. God is an indispensable light for man. That is from the book, The Day Is Now Far Spent, one of the best reads that I can recommend definitely on our bookshelves, and as well as a few more from Layla Miller. She is our guest this hour. Welcome back to the show. My name is Brooke Taylor, in for Timory, who is on maternity leave. And some of the books from Layla Miller that I love, appreciate, would recommend is Made This Way, How to Prepare Kids to Face Today's Tough Moral Issues and Raising Chaste Catholic men, just a few titles. And she's with us for the hour. We've been talking about navigating some of the tough moral issues as parents with our children and just in general with some of the challenges that we all face. And one of the consolations that I appreciate and go back to a lot, Layla, is something that I had read once. I think it was uh, Conor McGregor. And not, no, not, not Conor, Conor McGregor's the MMA guy, not him. <laughs> I don't think it was him. Connor Gallagher, he wrote about parenting for eternity, but he had such a great point. He said, you know, essentially, if we don't feel equipped for this job, because we've been talking about like holy confidence and just having the courage that God gives us through his grace, he said, don't worry, because Noah got drunk. Moses had a speech impediment. David was a murderer and an adulterer. Peter was a coward. Thomas was a doubter. You know, all of these things. Paul was a persecutor, but that Second Corinthians 12, 9 scripture my grace is sufficient for thee and power is made perfect in infirmity and just that reality that we are equipped for this mission and whether or not we have kids or not and and I want to take a call because that's I think the topic of Kath, uh, Kathy she's calling in from Menominee Falls in Wisconsin uh, are you there with us Kathy Yes I am thank you for taking my call You're welcome uh, your thought for Layla Well I just get her spelling of her first name again, real quick, and then I have it's a question. L- you bet. Oh, it's, it's L-E-I-L-A. Yes. Oh, yes. L-E-I-L-A. L-E-I-L-A? Yes. Before, as a name. Um, my question is, uh, my husband and I have been married for, like, 27, going on 30 years. We don't have any children. We have a old sheepdog that's our baby. But um, anyway, uh, my question is, the articles that you have on marriage that we can download, are they geared specifically towards marriage or marriage with people for, to ha- that have kids? So are you talking about the two books, the PDF um, books that I offer for free in that form? Yes. Those are, um, well, the one is about uh, is 70 adult children of divorce, and um, they answer eight of my questions. So that's more about the children of divorce and, and how, that made, you know, how it affected their lives. And then the other one is Impossible Marriages Redeemed, which is about um, really rough marriages. Um, I, I'm trying to remember. I don't think everyone in, in that book had children, but it's about how they redeemed those marriages from really bad you know, really bad places. So, um, so it could be relevant to, to really to everybody. I think it is. Who you? Go it's ahead, just Kathy. a very good conversation right now here. 
Well, thank, thank you. you. I, and I tell you, I think, and you can't go wrong with any of your books, Layla, but I, it was just on my bookshelf, so I grabbed it, The Impossible Marriage is Redeemed. The stories that you tell, because the way the book is edited and laid out, it is couples telling their stories. And I think whether you have a robust, healthy, strong marriage or one that's struggling, everyone goes through ups and downs, that this is a great book. Oh, thank you. And some of the some of the contributors are the, also the children of really difficult marriages. So they're telling the story of their parents' marriage and how um, they got through it, even, you know, to the end of their lives. And, and we're talking, uh, it, these are really bad stories. <laughs> a lot of them, is, it's infidelity, it's addiction. I mean, there's just a lot of bad stuff. So, but God can redeem anything. And I think that's what we maybe have forgotten. We're so cynical in this culture and we just you know, we're so quick to just throw off the cross and go to the next thing, the next shiny thing, and it's going to be better if we just move on and all that. That's not really what God asks in general. We, we are called to pick up a cross and really see it through to see what he's got in store for us. And um, if we move too quickly like we do, which is always just like, you know, disposability, we don't get to see. I mean, the, the subtitle of The Impossible Marriage is Redeemed, it, redeemed is they didn't end the story in the middle. And I just want to, I want to add, because people always jump on me for this, that doesn't mean that you're going to be, you know, that you live in the same house if there's abuse or something like that. That's not what, you know, nobody's saying, you stay and be beaten. Okay, that's a whole other topic, but no, the church doesn't require that. But it is interesting to see um, what can happen if we just follow Christ's teaching and even stay faithful, even if we do have to separate, or even if we do have to, um, you know, physically not be together for a while or indefinitely. We just have to be patient. A lot of times things happen not in, in our own time, but in God's time. That's right. And I know net is the website, so you can access both books uh, bo- both books there as well. I want to take Patricia. She is joining us from Austin, Texas. We've been talking about everything, really, from raising children and navigating some of the tough moral issues of our day to marriages, uh, just hearing from Kathy and Patricia from Austin on the line now. Hi, Patricia. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. You're welcome. So my son, who is now 30, um, was raised Catholic, very and participated even as a teenager, and <clears throat> he went to college, met a young lady, Southern Baptist, who started pulling him away from the faith, and when they got engaged, she told him he had to give up his Catholic faith to marry her, and he did. Mm-hmm. So they now, they now have two children. Um, also, I should say I worked for the Catholic Church for 35 years. Um, my, um, <clears throat> they have two children, which she has kept us at arm's length from them um, as much as possible. And we saw them after Christmas, and we went to, they live three hours, four hours away. We went to be closer so they wouldn't have to travel. We went up. They have animals. I can't go in their house. I'm allergic. So they... The I saw my granddaughter, who is two, had to have life-saving spinal surgery when she was one year old and has to go, be checked every six months. And my I saw my daughter-in-law spank her. And I was appalled. 
And I tried to talk to my son about it because, like I said, she is so mm, offish with us that I didn't intervene at the note at the moment. I went to get my son, and he was actually had gone somewhere with with my other son-in-law. So anyway, I tried to talk to him about it, but he wouldn't allow me like to just be alone with him. And because, and when I told my husband about it, even though he feels it's wrong and that it's even more wrong for a child who has spinal and every six months she has to go and get MRIs and she'll probably have to have more surgeries. Anyone who would do such a thing, um, he told me, Keep your mouth shut because then they're going to use that as an excuse to never let us see the kids. And I yeah, think that I, my heart, oh Patricia, because there's so many complex things. It's like this this spider web. You've got the faith aspect and the distance there, and then the the different relational challenges, and it's so tough. And just my heart breaking for you because I know duplicated and repeated there are so many challenging issues in families like this and and again with the complexities and it's a tough thing to know how to navigate Layla how would you respond a couple of things uh first I would just say part of the spiritual life and the interior life and it's so hard but this is where God gives us the opportunity every day is detachment there has to be a healthy and holy detachment from certain um circumstances, it seems like there's nothing you personally can do to, you know, intervene or make things better. So you're going to have to find a way to detach a little bit from your kind of being wrapped up or caught up in the emotions of it. Because, and that's just true for anyone at any time, any, any creature, anything that is created, we have to be detached. Even if it's our children, even if it's our grandchildren, to a certain point, we have to be detached. And we do that so that we can be attached more to God. And so you're almost, it's almost like a you know, St. Monica situation where you have to become holy. Now, even if you're not in day-to-day contact with your son and your, you know, your, your grandchildren, the holier you become, and that's work on yourself, right? That's work on your own interior life. That's work on your own virtue. You know, you learn the three stages of holiness. Learn what that looks like. I mean, we aren't taught that anymore, but you have to know you know, to, to have your prayer every day and to meditate every day and talk to God every day and do the things that we need to do to get closer to God, confession and Eucharist and adoration. Because the more holy you become, the more powerful are your prayers. And, and really think about that. We, need, we want our children in heaven, and what is the best way to get them there is to pray and pray and pray. But if we are closer and closer to sanctity, our prayers become stronger. Like you said, Brooke, it was, you know, the, the, James 5.16, the prayers of the righteous avail much. Become holy, and your prayers for them will be more powerful. And really, there's nothing more powerful than prayer. There's nothing really else that you can do. It seems like your hands are kind of tied, and, and they're not listening to you. So um, take that as God's opportunity to become a saint, and then watch as your prayers become powerful. And it may not be in this lifetime that you see the fruit, and it may be uh, a, a matter of patience to see um, anything at all. But, uh, but just trust in God, because really that's all he's asking. Just, he says, trust. Just trust me. Do what I'm asking, yes. and just trust me. 
Thank you so much, Patricia. And I think a quote you have in Impossible Marriages Redeemed really underscores everything you just said. It's the Thomas A. Kempis quote from The Imitation of Christ relating to so many, every circumstance as a Christian is called to pick up their cross. It says, the cross, therefore, is always ready. It awaits you everywhere. No matter where you may go, you cannot escape it. For wherever you go, you take yourself with you and shall always find yourself. Turn where you will, above, below, without, or within, and you will find a cross in everything. And everywhere, you must have patience if you would have peace within and merit an eternal crown. If you could carry the cross willingly, it will carry and lead you to the desired goal where indeed there shall be no more suffering, and here there shall be. If you carry it unwillingly, you create a burden for yourself and increase the load, though you still have it to bear it. One thing, too, that I heard from, I think it was Ignatius Baranachov. He's an Eastern mystic, and he said that the chalice, and today I think of Friday, the Sorrowful Mysteries, and meditating on that uh, agony in the garden, the chalice is given to us not by Pilate, but by the Father. And so often we think, I don't, I don't want it, and we shy away from it. Of course, that's our flesh, that's our humanity. But in that lies this great victory for us and to embrace that. And so, but it is, it's painful when there seems to be kind of no end or no resolution. I think that's what makes it tough. And so you talked a lot about becoming holy, Layla. And I I also want to mention too, just about this idea that you know, we are the church militant. And it seems when we were talking about your blog post and the mistake of not wanting to hurt anyone's feelings, and so we shy away from the truth, perhaps. That idea of militant, it's not something that we hear talked about a whole lot anymore. I mean, there are some really great holy priests that from the pulpit might talk about this, and we need that, but the idea of militant seems so harsh for modern parents. But that's the reality. We're part of this military of the divine majesty. We are children. We're part of this fighting force. We're in a fallen world that we have a mission to fight God's enemies, to to lead demons to hell. And I feel like if we parents communicated that, and again, our priests, and some do an amazing job, some parents do an amazing job, but we can't shy away from that because we need everybody at their posts. And we are back. Technical difficulties. You know, we start talking about the church militant with Layla, and and then the whole network <laughs> starts shorting out. See, this is the St. Michael defend us in battle prayer. We continually pray. And thank you so much to uh, producer Jim and all of our fantastic producers and engineers for taking the time to work and be on the spot and get us back up and running. And so it wasn't you, it wasn't your system. We were off for a bit, but I just want to thank my guest, Layla Miller, for joining us this hour. Now we are almost at the end of the hour. The Rosary Across America is next. It's Friday. And so your intentions will be unfolded. And that includes Patricia, who called and was sharing her story with us a bit earlier about her son and her daughter-in-law, as well as the callers that we received. Again, Layla Miller is our guest. We were talking about navigating difficult, thorny moral issues. We were talking about raising children and having courage and holy confidence, and also quoting here and there from some of the greats, Thomas A. Kempis and Cardinal Seurat. And I really kind of want to conclude the show with a message that Cardinal Seurat shares in his book. We pulled a little bit from it earlier, The Day Is Now Far Spent, and he talks about hope and the message 
message for for all of us to be reminded of as we kind of wrap up a Friday and go into the weekend. He says, St. Therese of Lisieux understood that the heart of the church is love. She understood that the apostles would no longer proclaim the gospel, that the martyrs could no longer shed their blood if this heart stopped burning. She understood that she herself, the little nun behind the grills of the Carmel in the little town in a French province, could be present everywhere, since in loving with Christ, she was the heart of the church. This center, which Therese calls the heart and love, is the Eucharist, is our Lord, is the passage of the man Jesus to human beings and who themselves become Eucharist, and therefore the heart and the love of the church. The heart must remain a heart so that, thanks to it, the other organs may be capable of serving as they should. So for parents, and and for all of us, we are called to be the heart. And I pray that you feel the promises of Christ beating in your heart and equipping you for all that he has prepared in life. And just to recap, with Layla, we talked a little bit about the idea that God has given us all we need to fulfill by our vocation, the nobility that we've been called to and the graces of the sacraments to fulfill the duties before us. And this is so critically important because once we lose hope, of course, that's what the enemy wants. And so to maintain and restore that hope. So thank you to Layla for joining us. Also want to thank my guest yesterday. If you didn't get a chance to hear that, Jason Craig was on. Again, my name is Brooke Taylor, filling in for Timory as she is on maternity leave. And he was with us to talk about the crisis of immaturity in the country, the and around the world, but in our nation particularly, there is a demographic called the rise of the adults. this fascination with things that are infantile <laughs> in a way where grown men should be doing things that will be a hero's journey and to be conformed to the risen Christ and raise family and conquer themselves and sin. Instead, they've kind of reverted to this infantile stage. And so we talked a little bit about that. And if you have a chance, go back and listen to the podcast if you missed the whole show, you can find that on the relevant radio page if you go to the Trending with Timory podcast page and all where podcasts are heard. Also, a big thank you again to my guest, Layla Miller. LaylaMiller.net is the website and where you can find her. God bless you, Sacred Heart of Jesus, and you. We place our every care. The Family Rosary Across America is next. Thank you again to producer Jim Schraper, Patrick Alog, and have a great weekend. Again, my name is Brooke Taylor. I will be with you next week. God bless you. <laughs>